Attention all truckers, it's Troy with Talk CDL. If you're looking for a new job, try NCI at 844-311-7076. They offer great equipment, great benefits, a great working atmosphere, and more importantly, a great steady income week after week after week. This carrier is actually owned by their own shipper. Pick up the phone if you're interested and call 844-311-7076 and never run out of freight again. You have some news in trucking and a big shout out to the Long Haul Bandits. We just did an interview and a video with them. Mm -hmm. But we're also going to be over the next hopefully few weeks out there with Scott and the crew at the Chrome Shop in Wildwood, Florida. We're going to be interviewing them and doing a big video for them also. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to try to get the schedule. That would be really cool if some of our listeners that are coming through can stop in and maybe even be on the video at the Chrome Shop if they want to stop in and uh, hang out with Talk CDL. Yeah, as soon as we know what our schedule will be, we'll go ahead and do like a live so that they can see. Yeah, okay, awesome. So what do you have in trucking today for us? Border Patrol is looking for a driver. That fled an inspection. He fled an inspection? Yeah, what happened was, is he came across the border, and every, you know, they have the border checkpoints where they do with the dogs, and dogs alerted of either drugs or humans in this, in this tractor and trailer. Okay. Told him to pull forward. He pulled forward and kept going. Then he Maybe. kept going. <laughs> Maybe he didn't speak English. <laughs> he kept going, and when he finally came to a stop... Off of I-35, when he finally came to a stop on I-35 by mile marker 30, jumped out his truck and ran, and they found 52 humans in his trailer. Alive? As far as I know, they were alive. They did not say they were deceased, but here's why I'm bringing it up. It is the summertime, people. Do not put humans in your trailer. They're going to die if they're not taken care of. Was it a reefer? It didn't say what kind of trailer it was, but it didn't state that it was a reefer trailer and it was, you know, accommodating to them. It said that there was 52 people inside the trailer. Okay. Well, yes, this time of the year, I would imagine that it was a drive-in. They, well, anyways, I'm not even going to make it. It really meeting. depends. I mean, honestly, it was, it just happened on, on June 2nd. So. Okay. They're so, still looking for him. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you said it, it didn't really dawn on me that you meant the border border mm-hmm. so yeah. apparently, apparently was he mexican or was he american do they say that does it does it have it has a picture of him and he is hispanic okay well then when maybe they waved him on they maybe he didn't speak english and he thought they said go ahead and when you get up the road jump out of your truck and run no, i don't think that's what he interpreted it as to be well it sounded like that's what he got out of it you know, no. I can get a lot of things out of what people say, too, I guess. Okay. Well, okay. So be on the lookout for a Mexican running back to Mexico, right? He's six foot. He has a tattoo on his neck, and he was wearing black. That's all they know, other than this picture, which the picture, he has a hat on and everything, so. Yeah. I mean. Okay. Well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, I mean, and look, I'm not picking on Mexicans. I'm just saying, you know, be on the lookout for one running back south only because he had 52 people in the back of the truck. And you know what? To be honest with you, you're right. It's not this, especially this time of the year. No, you don't do that. There was a dude just got caught. I think it was last year from Florida here. And uh, 
I believe he was actually running illegals over, got caught, and I think ended up having a few die, and he didn't have a CDL anymore. So he's, he's, he's on his way to prison for life. Well, not only here, he had 52 people inside of his, tra- his trailer, and he fled the police. He could have killed all those people just by having an accident. You know, yeah. you just don't know and you shouldn't do that. I just, I, I, uh, okay. I just get bothered by people trying to look, I don't know what the going rate is, but I know that these guys get tempted with a lot of money. It's per head. Okay. For real that you get so much per person to bring them over the border. I don't know what it is. I was told 10 grand a person. It, it doesn't matter. It's not. Listen, it matters to somebody that's doing illegal stuff. It does matter to them. That's all they care about is what they can make. It's all about the money. Well, then stop doing, stop dealing, dealing humans and deal with, with drugs. You know? Do drugs instead? Yeah. Do drugs, not humans. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, look, I, can, I understand you're upset. You're, you're supposed to be doing this unbiased. I am. And I'm trying to... I just get irritated with someone, you know, purposely trying to... Not purposely, but... Okay, but I'm trying to keep this... What I'm trying to do here on my side of the table here on this pod is I'm trying to, to look at both sides. Now, I understand... What he did was illegal. I understand a lot of people could have been hurt, but you got to also look at what was his intentions. It was money. Greed. Well, oh, that's what I'm saying. Like when you say don't do this and don't do that, you should care. People that are doing things that are illegal. What do, what do you think of? What do you think a person that's you know trucking uh, has a lot of tr- uh, sex trafficking going on? Do you think they care about some? 12-year-old kid they kidnap and sell for sex? They don't. I'm just saying, if you you got to almost look at it from both angles. I'm not on their side. I'm not on. I'm not advocating just because you can make a lot of money running people across the border. I'm just saying, look what they're tempted with. They're tempted with a lot of money, and I, I was told it's somewhere around 10 grand a head. Well, if you're getting 10 grand a head, I'd like to know first off. Who's even paying for these poor people to come in? It's well, their families and stuff or something. I don't know. I, I don't know that it's even families. And I, I believe in California, and this is truth, they have found so many shops in California, in Iowa, in the Northeast, where these people are spending a lot of money to get illegals into the, into the country. And here's what they're doing to these poor people. They're using them to work in their factory. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get a group of people that don't speak the English language and you bring them into a, a small town where they know nobody, and all they're told was, here's where you go to work every day. You get paid. They give them a cheap place to live. And it's almost like they're being uh, held to a, a slave market. It's like a slave market they're treating. So if, if, if you guys are, and we get, you know, we have a lot of listeners in Mexico. Okay, Mexico, Canada, Mexico, and the United States are our three biggest countries that listen to Talk CDL. So I'm here to tell you guys, if you have somebody that's actually paying to get you into the United States illegally, be careful that they're not trying to use you for something. Because they have found, I know California was big on it, they found a bunch of factories mm-hmm. where they had these these. These poor, these are humans. Mm-hmm. And they have these poor people sitting or doing, laboring their butts off all day for cheap labor. And if you're an American businessman hearing my podcast, I hope you get caught. I really do. I know in Iowa they've caught them doing it. I know they've caught them doing it in California, Pennsylvania. I'm just saying, this is true stuff. A lot of people don't realize that because you got to ask yourself, why would somebody pay $10,000 to get somebody illegally into the country if it's not their family? Because for that kind of money, you can just go ahead and start the process and come here legally, mm-hmm. which I'm sure most of them would rather do. 
So somebody's shelling out all kind of money to pump these people into the country. I would say they're going to use you. So if you're in Mexico and you hear this podcast, be careful that you're not being used by the people that are paying to get you in. Because people don't pay out money with good intentions. Mm-hmm. They really, most people don't. So keep keep that thought in your mind as you're trying to enter in. You know, I'm, I'm not for hurting anybody. I'm with you on that. But at the same time, I'm telling you, people on this side also have bad intentions. That's for sure. Let's move on. Kind of a weird podcast. Yeah, well, I just well, started it. Well, I know it's just it's just it's just a weird. You know, you 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 see and hear everything. You got to ask. That's why I said if you just look at everything. Like some people get mad at you because it sounds like you're bit, you're on somebody's side. I'm not on anybody's side on this podcast. Usually, I'm on good drivers' sides, mm-hmm. but we also have to look at every angle. Why? Why is this being done? And you got to ask that. What doesn't? Is, it's like a weird question. You know. Why would someone pay that kind of money to a, a trucker? You know, that's ten ten thousand dollars times fifty. That's five hundred thousand dollars worth of cargo right there. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I just don't. There's so much that you. I guess. I guess I look at the long term, not the quick gratification of. Oh, I'm just going to make this money. He don't even get that money yet, so I don't understand why chance so much. But moving on, the FMCSA wants some answers from drivers. What they're doing is they're doing a poll on the 18 to 20-year-old drivers that they want to know what kind of restrictions or anything like that they should do, so they want the input from seasoned drivers that are out there on the road. He's texting. No, I'm not. Come on, keep going. So, well, that was kind of what I was saying. So he, the FMCSA wants to know what a, because they're doing that pilot program for the 18 to 20 year olds and they want to expand it out. But before they make that complete expansion, they want to know what drivers have to say about it. Because if drivers that are on the road have a good input or if say, you know, a lot of the same thing keeps coming up, they're going to make sure that's part of a restriction or something to that effect for these 18 to 20 year olds that are going to go on the road. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, my, my whole opinion on that, I know I've, I've seen the reviews and most of your truck drivers that are, have been in the industry for a while. A lot of those guys will say that they don't believe that they should be allowed. Um, A lot of them fail to realize that 18 to 20 year old kids um, have been able to get their CDL in almost every state for the last 20, 30, 40 years. I had mine at 17. I had my permit, okay? And I got my my class C back in Pennsylvania, all right? And I was only allowed to stay in that state. Now, I do agree there's a lot of mixed reviews there. Is the maturity level high enough for an 18 to 20-year-old kid? Well, my thoughts are this. If you can trust them to drive 80,000 pounds, Say, look at look at the state of Texas. It's like a thousand miles wide, eight ninety thousand miles, something like that. If you're allowed, if you're allowed to pick up load in El Paso and take it to the Louisiana state line, what what makes it so hard to believe that you shouldn't be able to go into Shreveport and deliver it? It, it doesn't. No, make, I agree. It, it it just doesn't make sense. Now I will agree. That there really should be more of a mentorship with all truckers, 
because I mean, just personally myself, I was mentored for a long time by my grandfather before I could even drive. And I do realize that, you know, these tractor trailers are not a toy, first off. And when you have X amount of weeks of schooling, yes, you know how to drive it. Yes, you know how to back it up. Yes, you know how to do this. And yes, you probably have the stamina to drive long hours. But how are you going to fare out in emergencies? And that's where the mentoring really is important. When, when drivers, there's so many little things that they can't teach you in school in just a couple weeks. So many things that an experienced driver can give you in, in a good... And, and the problem with bringing somebody on for a longer mentorship is they don't last. They don't last through that because they're not going to pay a guy to be a mentor for longer periods. So that's really where the long haul bandits come into factor. No, no, the long haul bandits are not mentoring somebody for, for months and a year at a time. I'm talking about somebody that's able to take a young driver under their wing and, and have them with them for six months, a year. Well, that's where this, this register is coming into. Um, I'll give you the website. What they want to know is the FMCSA wants to know your opinion on that. That's the thing. They want to know if the 18, 19, 20-year-old drivers, even, you know, maybe some 21-year-olds, I don't know. But they want to know about the 18, 19, and 20-year-old drivers. What kind of restrictions should they have if they are allowed to do OTR? They're just wanting to know more information on that, on what the seasons drivers, like you're saying, have to say about it. Maybe that is one of the things is they have to go and, and, and be with a mentor over the road for six months. So that Because each driver could be different. You can have an 18, 19-year-old driver that is very mature for his age and really responsible. And then you can have one that's 18 and 19 and you want to put him under the wheel instead of behind it. Right. I get that. But the, the, the quagmires in the whole thing is, one, there's a big gap. Quagmires. Yeah, quagmires. There's a big gap to where if you start mentoring somebody for six months to where he's not making any money, and that's gonna, that's really gonna cut. The, and that's one of the things they'll look at. The program will be a huge failure as far as completion goes. Well, that would be maybe completely up to the company and and their insurance programs. But the the, the website to go is called federalregister.gov federalregister.gov go there give your opinion for the commercial drivers for the pilot program for the under 21 yeah apparently you don't care about my opinion that's why you well you know you want to move on good let's just move on people don't want to hear you rattle all right so another thing that there's a lot of fm fmcsa going on right now and this is the other thing that they want to do is they want to know driver's opinion on detention time they had proposed for um, some information for detention on these companies, you know, from companies for the drivers to go into with, I guess, with the with the hours of service. They want to get an idea. So if any driver has the knowledge for building apps or have ideas for apps or anything like that to show for when the drivers go into the loading dock and when they're not driving but they're sitting there waiting detention-wise on getting their trailer loaded, unloaded, all that different stuff, they want to know FMCSA wants to try and figure out a way to help the drivers out where that has its own way of logging it to where it's not interfering with anything else with their with their hours of service, and it's a recorded data to help them so that it's not even having to go through a bunch of process. So 
Yeah. Let them know. Well, let me say this. That is one of the big things. I've talked to drivers at over the years, and probably 90%, maybe 95% of those guys will tell you, good luck in getting detention pay from my company. They all say, and every driver tells me this, they all tell you that you're going to get it. They tell you that to get you to come to work for them. But when you get there, they never want to pay it out. So there's a, a big thing with drivers and detention pay to begin with. And I like that idea. If F, you're saying this is from the FMCSA. Mm -hmm. And is this also included with that website that you gave? Well, that actually, there is another one that you can do for the federalregister.gov. If you go to federalregister.gov, it gives a listing of all the different stuff that the FMCSA wants to do. And this is one of them. It's request for um, information concerning commercial motor or vehicle detention. So you... Detention pay is huge. And I, again, I just want to say this. Drivers, go on there like with what Ruthann gave you, this address, and... Give that opinion on how that works, but if somebody out there could come up with a, like you said, with an app or some something legal that a company could have that automatically starts, I believe the the what are the, what these trucking companies do when they sign their contracts with the with the freight, and see this is where the customers come into something, okay, big. Um, companies usually sign a two hour minimum. So when you go into a, uh, a ship or a receiver, if they haven't unloaded or loaded you or got you out of there within two hours, then you're supposed to go on detention time. You're supposed to mark. It's every time you're supposed to mark when you re arrived that, you know, everything and you were on time. And then they got these stipulations. Oh, you got to be on time and there's got to be all this stuff and you got to tell your dispatcher and blah, blah, blah. So then they're supposed to mark it down. And after two hours, you're supposed to go on the clock. Well, one of the things that, you drivers might want to put in there is, you know, why should a trucking, uh, a shipper, a receiver get such a big break of two hours? Why should it, why should that interfere in the trucker's life? I'm now have to sit and for, for free and be awake for two hours while you guys are, are, are trying to do this and get me unloaded. I understand if you start unloading me, I honestly, if it's, if it's on skids, it don't take, it don't take long for a loader to go in there with with pallet jack, electric jack, and pull those skids out. No, or even to, or, or even to load you. The problem is, is their pickers, their their guys getting ready, their, their schedules. Their internal portion of their warehouse. Exactly, the internal portion of the warehouse is really what holds everybody up. So they're getting away with murder, all because these trucking companies want to get their freight. So the FMCSA should know all about that. It's not just the trucking company. It's not just the truck driver. It's also the people making the product that's screwing up the truckers. The trucker gets screwed by everybody from the, the trucking company sometimes not wanting to pay out detention to the shipper and the receiver that jerks you around when you get there. I've, I've been in so many arguments with receivers and shippers over the years. I got a five o'clock appointment time and, and then I get into an argument three hours later. So anyways... Go well, on, you can go to regulations.gov also to starting June 10th to make your, they're going to have it for 90 days where you can come in there and make your comments. So 90 days from June 10th at regulations.gov, you can give your input. And then there's a docket number that you have to put in, but we'll put that on the pod. Are we moving on to something else? We're going to move on to another portion. 
the uh, the house of tr- the the house the house's 2020 department of transportation funding bill there is a um, a bill that this they're being submitted they started it in december of 2015 where they took the csa scores off from public view now the house wants to put it back public because they want to be able to have um, more information gathered. They put in, in 2017, the NSA issued a report recommending sweeping changes to the CSA and the SMC, or SMS. Basically, what they're trying to do is get the, C, the, the CSA scores um, and have them re- Figured and redone because of how detrimental they've become and how bad some of them can end up being. And when they do that, when when the bill gets passed, if it gets passed, those scores will now end up going public again instead of being private. And, and to be honest with you, I would like to know what their reasoning was for making them private. Do you actually know the reasoning why they took them off? Because I remember when everything was public. and And even safer systems went to where... You got. You cannot just walk right in there and check. I mean, I could show you how to get in and show, get get anybody's records, but I'm telling you straight up right now, um, why should a bad company be hidden from somebody that's wanting to hire them for work? I mean, that's just ridiculous. The scores were pulled from public view in December of 15 by the Fast Act Highway Bill due to concerns about the data's efficacy. FMCSA. No. E-F-F-I-C-A-C-Y. I couldn't get it out, though. Wow, FFC. nice. And whether the system accurately portrayed carrier safety performance and safety risk. So, oh, so they weren't sure if it was accurate, accurately portraying what their score really was? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that's why they're now, they, the, the FAST Act and the SMC, SMS, which is the safety measurement system, they want to go in there and revamp it all. And they want the FMCSA and the NSA or NSS, N-A-S. That's actually really annoying is hearing all those titles. Well, that's the thing is there's so many of them. Right. And but you know what the like, bottom line is? You know what the bottom line is? It's annoying. They, they pulled that off mm-hmm. to protect their own ass well, now because they didn't want to unfairly report somebody's score being too high or too low, it sounds like. So in order not to get somebody suing them over a number, it's almost, it almost sounds like they were just protecting themselves while hiding this stuff from the public, which I think is BS. Well, they said that if this bill end up getting, ends up getting passed within six months, everything has to be public view again. And it should be. All that should be. Okay. You have anything else? The last thing that I have is the owner-operators, the, the tax breaks that they were getting at the, for this past year. Mm-hmm. The analysis have been completed, and they're stating that the owner-operators, the ones that did it through corporations, did see a significant... Um, Savings? Yes, Good. like they didn't see a big thing. The 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 owner operators that kind of were not getting like they were saying about the per diem that that was the big thing that the per diem per diem yes that that's that was the big thing that they they really missed. Well, if they would have got the if they would have filed and and received the other portions of it for their tax brackets, which were the. There, there was a Affordable Care Act, and 
those, if they would have done them, they would have actually over not overcompensated, but they would have gotten more than their money back for the for the per diem then instead. So, so they would have done better than they than they did in two thousand and seventeen or eighteen or whatever the previous year is before this new way of doing because I know that the per diem had gone away um, and they were getting like some kind of flat rates and all. So really bottom line is if they do their taxes right, if they get an accountant and do their taxes right, they're actually going to fare out better is what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. According to your data here, you're, we're not saying we know for sure. What's, what's the data? Where are you getting that data from? I actually pulled it from two websites because I wanted to make sure they're right. One was Freightways and the other one was Overdrive. So, okay, according to those two articles, they mm-hmm. could have done better. Okay, mm-hmm. and so go, go and read the articles for yourself, but we're going to backlink it always anyways onto TalkCDL. Mm-hmm. It said if they would have continued using their per diem because the owner-operators themselves that filed it through their Schedule C, they were still able to get it. Oh, they were still able to get the per diem? It says, Kevin Rutherford, who advises small business drivers on tax preparation, explained earlier this year that while company drivers lost the ability to deduct the 63-meal per diem off their taxes, owner-operators should have been able to continue using the per diem and deduct it on their taxes through Schedule C on their corporate return. So basically, if you're an owner-operator and you're not corporate, that's you where you kill yourself. Exactly. So you need to do that because there's other business deductions that you could take up to 20% then off. And Ruth, and you've, you've incorporated us. Mm-hmm. You did it yourself. Yeah. Okay. We've had, we have several businesses and you incorporated us just briefly at, in like 30 seconds or less. Tell people how easy is it to incorporate yourself or your business? All you do is follow your articles of incorporation. And, and you just go to your local state website, right? Yeah. You go, that? you go to your state website, um, and you, you follow the links for the Articles of Corporation or Divisions of Corporation, and you file that. And then you have to file with the, with the federal government for your, your EIN, which is your employee identification number, so yeah. that it's not underneath your own social. It's just that That's simple. It. Two filings. And we would be, you would be willing to help somebody, any, help. any one of our listeners that are owner-operators that yeah. haven't incorporated themselves. Yeah. Shoot and us a it message. doesn't cost much. It was under a hundred dollars. Yeah, that's and that's not for. We don't charge you. No. It's, I mean, it was under a hundred yeah. for the state of Florida. Right. So I, each state could be different. But. Right. Okay. So I just thought I'd pass that on to everybody. So it's you're always better. You're always better to have a shelter. A corporation's like a shelter to you. You can it, write off a ton. It's tax. A lot of tax write-offs. It's everything. You're way better off being a corporation. And I believe I've heard, I've been told this a million times. If if you're if there's ever a lawsuit involved in your business, they can only try to sue the corporation. They can't come directly after you. Correct. So you protect it in every way. So why wouldn't you get an LLC or an INC or whatever if you're an owner-operator? In fact, you guys don't even realize this. If you're going into a lease purchase or a lease or you're buying a truck, before you even buy that truck, you can already incorporate your name, name your business, a DBA doing business as, and mm-hmm. you can already have yourself prepared for when you actually go into your own business. So... That was Ruth Ann Coffin, by the Sorry, way. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Okay. But anyways, that's it. Just you guys write us uh, real quick. Uh, Ruth Ann at TalkCDL.com. Mm-hmm. Troy at TalkCDL.com. We truly appreciate every one of you guys out there and gals that are sending us videos and messages and the most kind emails. We truly appreciate everything that you guys do for TalkCDL. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's going to be in Florida would like to do an interview please let us know. Anybody that wants to do a phone in and we can do an interview that way, please let us know. We would love to have you on the show if you're trucking related only. And one last thing, 
We get a lot of requests for sponsors. Unless you're trucking only, we're really not taking any sponsors on for uh, people outside of trucking. Ruthanne, you have something? Yeah, I actually have a couple of things. You started doing like a closing on me. One, I want to say hi to Lucas, Lucas Mahali. He is in Germany right now. He's serving in the military, and he shot us a little email saying, hey, he loves us, and I just wanted to say thank you. I know they're getting, they, our, our podcast is in like so many countries, it's crazy. He's, he listens to us every day, and I responded to his email, and then he sent me back. He's, his, he, he grew up in the drive-in and reefer divisions of the trucking industry through his dad. Oh, awesome. So what else you got? Um, I also have Magnastop. We're going to um, work with, and he sent me an email to clarify because I gave the wrong website, evidently, and it's magna, M-A-G-N-A, stop, dot, online. So I wanted to do that. Last but not least, during the first quarter of 2019, there are a total of 144 cargo thefts in the U.S., averaging a loss of $116,717 per instance that represents 25% increase in cargo theft volume, as well as a 1% increase in theft value compared to the first quarter in 2018. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sign off with just one piece of advice going on what your statistics were. Drivers, if you get your trailer stolen, if you get your truck and trailer stolen, most likely not many people are going to want to hire you, especially if you say these words to your trucking company when they ask you, Hey, how did they steal the truck? Where were the keys? Oh, I left them underneath the floor mat in the truck. Yeah, exactly. Guys, don't leave your keys in your truck and do not park in unlit areas because that's what trailer thieves target. They will follow you around and some of them will follow you from shippers even because they know what's on that trailer. That's all I've got to say. Ruthen, you got anything else? Peace. Peace. Praise the Lord.